Welcome everyone to the next episode of the Send Dog Nutrition Podcast. You're with your host Brian and Peter today and today's podcast is on vitamin C for your dog. Are they getting enough? And we will be going through a few misconceptions regarding vitamin C throughout history and to this current day with dogs and we'll touch on the many benefits they can have in situations where your dog is under stress, recovering from illness and performance in particular and also just the way it can be utilised by the body to promote better health while they age. How are you, Peter? Brian, very well today. And look, vitamin C is older, older than Moses almost. You know, it was, um, it was discovered in the early 1900s. Ascorbic acid was basically isolated and identified um, as a nutrient to prevent scurvy. So when, when the sailors used to sail on the ships, they used to give them vitamin C to, to combat scurvy. So our listeners can obviously hear how old it is and there are a few misconceptions about it especially the dogs are able to 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 produce it themselves but we'll hopefully address some of those um, misconceptions and sort of myths I should say as well. Yeah so unlike humans a dog can produce vitamin c in their body and that's when the body is in a healthy state and there's a requirement for this as it is used in the dog's body to help reduce potentially harmful free radicals and supports the aging process, helps reduce inflammation and the immune system. It has an impact on energy and can really provide relief to any infections. Brian, just further on to that, um, in terms of you said humans cannot manufacture vitamin Cs, we're not alone. Uh, Also apes cannot manufacture vitamin C and a guinea pig. So, you know, we're in, we're in a very, very high company there <laughs> um, who can manufacture vitamin C. So cats can, um, and they can manufacture around about 40 milligrams per one kilogram of body weight. Uh, a rat can, they actually produce quite a bit, 150 milligrams. Goats, 190. The rabbits, they're, they're getting up there. They're about 226 milligrams. Wow. But the biggest one is the mouse. The mouse is 275 milligrams. And at least but not last, the dogs, they can only produce 40 milligrams, which is the same as a cat. Yeah. So compared to it to a mouse at 275 and a dog at 40, it's not really that much. Yeah, so that's per kg body weight per day. And when you look at how a dog is in a domestic environment, those environments can potentially be stressful. But also if you have dogs in performance, they are under stress as well. And that's going to have an impact on that ability for the vitamin C to be synthesized in their body. Yeah, Brian, that's, that's exactly well covered. Look, dogs, basically, people assume that since dogs can produce their own vitamin C, that no supplementation needs to be given. And when you notice, whether it's your kibble or, or you know, a freeze-dried, look, whatever you're feeding, some of the companies add a little bit on and, and others obviously don't for that particular reason, that the assumption is that they can produce it by themselves. And look, a dog in a wild that's, that's running in its pack and has no stress in its life, just sort of, you know, enjoying life, kicking their legs up, they're not going to need any supplementation because there's no stresses there. But if you look at a domestic dog, let's just say a dog might have anxiety, like when, you know, when its owners go to work in the morning, it's, it's stuck to by itself and it's, you know, running around and, and, and panicking and sort of barking, that's stress. So basically any stressful event depletes the production of vitamin C and over a long period of time, that depletion gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And then that becomes a deficiency and that's where symptoms start to happen. So that's the, that's the first myth, basically. They don't need it if they're, not, you know, if they're not stressed, but they do require supplementation if they are. Yeah, 100% agree, Peter. That stress can be in various forms, like even gestation, lactation, growth of a young dog, hardworking dogs, especially those hunting sled dogs, 
tracking dogs and the herding dogs, vaccinations and injury, also the tail docking and ear cropping. So any real illness or operation they have can really have that stress. And, and another underrated one is emotional stress. And what the researchers have found is that the level of stress a dog can be measured by the degree of depletion of the vitamin in the dog's blood. So many studies have shown that dogs, as well as humans, that are supplemented with some vitamin C will show a greater resistance to disease. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right, Brian. There was a study that we come across in 1942 uh, that noted dogs with skin diseases in particular um, usually had very low amounts of vitamin C in their blood. Yeah, well. Also, Brian, further on to that, um, athletic dogs, like let's just say sled dogs, obviously after a race, for example, uh, those dogs would be depleted in vitamin C as well. I mean, that's a very stressful exercise. So people might just think, well, you know, like the dogs isn't, isn't stressing mentally, but it is stressing physically. So that pretty much has the same draining effect on, on vitamin C. So any any type of stress does deplete it. And it's, it's basically like a seesaw. So obviously you've got the stress, it gets depleted, and then the dog goes back to normal. And obviously that, that correction starts happening. But it all depends, obviously, how much is getting depleted and how much is recovering. Yeah, and what we're trying to say in this podcast is we want to try and promote the very best of health in the dog and and identifying the real importance of vitamin C and the depletion that happens when a dog is under stress. It can be really beneficial to supplement vitamin C separately to your dog food to get the best effect. Yeah, Brian, further on to that, obviously vitamin C is very unstable when it's put under heat. So what I'm trying to say is that if the if the kibble that you're feeding or, or some sort of dry food has vitamin C inside the actual product itself, chances are it's been heat treated and that's most likely kill off the, the potency of the vitamin C. So just because it's got it on the, on the label, it does not mean that obviously it's it's very active as well. So I think even above 50 degrees, it, it becomes very unstable. And a lot of those, those kibbles that are manufactured are, are a lot higher than 50 degrees. There are many types of vitamin C supplements on the market. So it's a big minefield trying to research it. And we're going to take you through, well, the most common one, which is ascorbic acid, but then a better one to feed your dog. Yeah, so basically uh, what we went through, Brian, is we decided to to use a form of vitamin C called sodium ascorbate. And what that is, it's about 100 milligrams of sodium and 900 milligrams of ascorbic acid. And how that's different is it's basically more pH neutral. So what, what that means is if you've got your normal ascorbic acid, it's got a 3.0 pH and you compare that to sodium ascorbate, which is a 7.4. So it's it's a lot more alkaline than acidic. And how that matters basically is the the lower the pH, the more chances you are of getting heartburn or you know gastrointestinal upsets, sort of you know tummy upsets. So the more the more pH you have, the more neutral it is, and, and that's the main reason why we went for, for sodium ascorbate instead of the the normal ascorbic acid, which is which is everywhere on the market. Yeah, and it's quite hard to get in Australia and. And also the benefit of sodium ascorbate is it stays in the body for as twice as long compared to the acid form. And this is beneficial to the dog systems. The other quality part about sodium ascorbate is that it is the only form of vitamin C approved by the FDA for intravenous injections in humans. So it's that human grade aspect that we want to provide for our animals and dogs in particular that we want to go for the best form and the best quality. 
Yeah, and look at saying we don't cut corners. So even if it costs more, we're pre- you know we're prepared to go the extra mile to get the best type. And as, as Brian mentioned, the the sodium ascorbate is the one that they use for humans and IV. So it's it's natural that that we went for the sodium ascorbate in our, in our powdered form. It does also dissolve in water and and obviously can be sprinkled on top of of any kibble or any sort of freeze dried. And it is tasteless and odorless. So it's it's like even a fussiest eaters, I don't think will have an issue with it. Yeah, it's really palatable and really good on the kidneys in that in that way with how its nutrient properties are made up. Brian, there are numerous studies as well on, on vitamin C. Obviously, the benefits, um, as I said previously, it, it has been around longer than Moses, but probably the biggest thing, and most people would know this one as well, it, it improves the immune system function and how it does that. It's, it's by enhancing the white blood cell function activity. Um, it also increases the blood levels on, on interferon, uh, which is which is interferons your you know your first line of defense basically, um, so if you can have a very strong immune system, obviously your dog's going to be a lot more prepared for when that virus or, or that sort of bacterial infection sort of comes knocking, um, and chances are it's it's, it's probably not going to catch it or or it's, or it's least likely to catch it as well. Yeah, you're providing the dog the tools to help that particular that first line of defense, and coming into these winter months, it's it's probably even more important, just like with humans. So Brian, another interesting fact is that vitamin C is also is also an, an antioxidant too. Yeah, that's a really good point, Peter. So what do we provide at Sen? So we have a vitamin C product that is sodium ascorbate, and this can be utilised at any of these stressful times for a dog recovering from illness in particular, but also to provide that insurance to help those vitamin C levels within their body. Brian, I think the message we need to send home here is just because dogs can manufacture vitamin C, does not mean that your dog has enough. And it's very hard to test for vitamin C in regular blood tests as well. But you know if your dog isn't right and obviously, you know, you're feeding it a balanced diet, that might be the missing link as well. Yeah, and it can be added to all forms of diets, the kibble or raw, and depending on your dog's workload, the way they recover and their overall health, will decide how much you will feed. Brian, just briefly some of the benefits of, of vitamin C as well. And we'll do podcasts in the future about obviously something a bit more specific, but it's great for, for eye health, um, heart health, hip dysplasia. I think we'll do a separate obviously podcast on that. Uh, kidney and bladder function, skin and hair, uh, spinal and any, any viral or sort of bacterial um, issues as well. So that's a pretty big list, um, but it just shows you how important that, you know, that vitamin is in a whole function of the, of the dog's body. Yeah, and I think that basically summarises this podcast up. It gives an overview of, yes, a dog does produce its own vitamin C, but that's when the dog is in its optimal health with no stress and no other health issues. And what we're trying to achieve is the very best in health, particularly in that domestic environment for a, for a dog and looking after and giving its own systems the ability to grow structurally right as it does provide the benefits of helping collagen production in the body as well for that connective tissue and the overall health of the dog. That's well summarised, Brian. And I think, look, we get a lot of dog clients obviously reaching out to us once they do start running into some problems, but probably more so with this supplement, it's better to use as a preventative. So people always jump out and try to do stuff once the problem happens. Very seldom do they try to avoid the problem. And I know it's hard, obviously, to, to predict the future, but look, I mean, this product's only nineteen ninety five for a for a 200-day supply. So it's a very cost-effective product to be feeding. And, and look, it's only sort of one or two grams daily, just, you know, mixed as a topper into, into the food. 
So very cost-effective way to have a really, really good um, insurance policy, you could almost call it, because, I mean, it's it, it's better to prevent the problem from happening rather than to, you know, go all guns blazing when a problem actually happens and then it's going to cost you a lot more to try to fix the problem than, than what it does to, to try to prevent that problem from happening. Yeah, it's such excellent value for the benefits it can provide and I think that will about wrap this one up, Peter. Yeah, Brian, and I just want to mention too to our listeners out there that it is a human grade of vitamin C as well. So, you know, there are different grades out there on the on the market, but um, we've got the human grade one and it's, um, you know, it took us a bit of time too to source the right, the right sodium ascorbate and uh, it's ready for, you know, it's ready to go now, so. Yep, so it's available online through our online store at sendnutrition.com.au and we'll be back with another podcast very soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you.